Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Nestled within the grip of encroaching nature, belits Heilstetten, a desolate sanatorium, cradles haunting echoes of a grim history. Within its weathered walls, the tormented whispers of forgotten patients, the mournful cries of lost souls, and the disquieting presence of an abandoned medical maze extend an eerie invitation to those daring or reckless enough to tread its corridors. Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world, from haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings, and now, places that we only visit in our imagination. Together, we will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today, we are visiting Belitz Hallstatten, a former tuberculosis sanatorium and military hospital complex in Germany haunted by a disturbing past. So if you're into travel and all things scary, listen close and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination. But hopefully, not your final destination. Destination Terror is an EerieCast original podcast hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to send us a suggestion or submit a story with your own experiences, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at carmencarrion. If you enjoy the show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Also, check out eeriecast.com for more scary podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, the podcast where together we explore horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Despite criticizing her friends and even her own mother for using a dating app, Crystal finally became frustrated enough herself to give it a try. She wasn't ready to admit to anyone that she had finally created her own account and had been browsing. It wasn't that she had trouble meeting people. With her job as a journalist, she met new people every day. She just didn't have the time to get personal. And doing it this way, she could meet potential dates while riding the bus or in a taxi. She could avoid the nightclubs and face-to-face -face awkward meetings. For years, Crystal had been content with the rhythm of her career, almost convinced that professional achievements were the sole ingredients for a fulfilling life. The notion of settling down, getting married, or starting a family had felt like distant echoes in her otherwise successful existence. However, a seismic shift occurred when her best friend brought her girlfriend to their annual college reunion. The obvious happiness and synergy between the couple left Crystal unexpectedly grappling with feelings of longing and envy. That night, alone in her downtown Manhattan apartment, she confronted a truth she had long ignored. Perhaps there was more to life than career milestones. After putting on her lounge pants and baggy shirt, 
she downloaded the app that most of her friends used. When she completed her profile and submitted it, it didn't take long for the notifications to start going off. At first, it spooked her so badly, she almost uninstalled it right then and there. But she wasn't a coward. And if everyone else could do this, so could she. Over the next several weeks, she navigated the incoming messages like it was a frigid stream in the springtime, only dipping her toes in a little at a time to test the water. Talking with strangers online felt like learning a new dance. At first, it was a bit awkward, like fumbling over unfamiliar steps. But soon, Crystal found herself in a world of messages, each one like a note in a digital melody. Every person spoke in different ways. Some were poetic, using beautiful words, while others were straightforward and honest. It was like looking at a display of personalities and interests, trying to figure out who might be the right dance partner. Among the many conversations, there was one profile that caught her attention, Matteo, a photographer from Berlin. They started talking, and it felt like looking at pictures of someone else's life through words. Matteo's messages were like snapshots, telling stories about his life and adventures in Berlin. Crystal, who loved telling stories with words, felt a connection with Matteo's way of capturing moments with his camera. As they chatted, Matteo described Berlin in a way that made Crystal feel like she was there, experiencing the city's colors and history through his eyes. His photographs, shared online, were like windows into his world. In their digital talks, Crystal sensed something more than just words on a screen. Matteo became a real person in her story, someone she could imagine having shared moments with, beyond the digital dance of messages. Crystal and Matteo chatted about meeting each other face to face, but Matteo couldn't leave Berlin for a few months. Instead of seeing this as a problem, Crystal thought it could be a chance for her to visit him. In a spontaneous move, she suggested planning a trip to Berlin. Matteo, unable to leave, became her guide, sharing the best times to experience the city's charm and recommending places to explore. Their talks turned into plans for adventures, from strolling through neighborhoods to trying local food, and joining events that showcased Berlin's diverse culture. The idea of visiting Berlin and meeting Matteo turned into an exciting chapter in their story. For Crystal, planning the trip felt like turning the pages of a book and stepping into a new part of their connection. The anticipation of seeing the city through Matteo's eyes and exploring together added a new layer to their digital dance. The idea of a trip became more than just a possibility. It became a real plan, promising shared moments and a deeper experience in the city that had become a character in their story. As the day of her flight to Berlin arrived, Crystal felt a mix of excitement and nervous energy. The airplane carried her across the ocean to a city that had been a digital backdrop to her growing connection with Matteo. Touching down in Berlin, the city unfolded before her like a vibrant canvas. The streets she had seen in Matteo's photographs became tangible, and the air hummed with the energy of a place that held both historical and contemporary charm. Matteo, eager to welcome her, arranged to meet at a cozy cafe nestled in a quaint corner of the city. 
The cafe buzzed with a blend of soft chatter and the aroma of freshly brewed coffee. Crystal, with a mix of excitement and nervous energy, entered to find Mateo already seated at a corner table. Their eyes met, and genuine smiles lit up their faces. Hey, Crystal. It's so great to finally meet you in person, Mateo exclaimed, rising to greet her with a warm hug. Hi, Mateo. I've been looking forward to this, Crystal replied, feeling a flutter of excitement. They settled into their seats, coffee cups in hand, and the conversation flowed effortlessly. They spoke about their favorite travel destinations, shared anecdotes from their respective cities, and laughed about the quirks of learning a new language. Mateo's eyes sparkled with enthusiasm as he shared tales of capturing Berlin through his camera lens. You'll love exploring the city. It's like a canvas, always changing and full of surprises. As the afternoon unfolded, the initial awkwardness melted away, replaced by a comfortable familiarity. Yet in the midst of their connection, a subtle moment caught Crystal's attention. Matteo, mid-sentence, hesitated for just a heartbeat, his expression shifting ever so slightly before returning to its usual warmth. Curiosity peaked. Crystal couldn't resist probing gently. Is everything okay, Matteo? You seem to pause there. Oh, it's nothing. Just lost my train of thought for a moment. Mateo responded with a reassuring smile, steering the conversation back to their shared interests. Despite the momentary unease, the meeting continued with laughter and shared stories, leaving Crystal hopeful that any glitches were just a part of the initial meeting jitters. Little did she know, that was far from the reality that awaited her. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play with my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This abandoned sanatorium in Germany that once catered to patients of tuberculosis and war injuries, Belitz Haustatten, is said to be haunted by every soul that died inside of it due to its stark history. And it wasn't just the sick and injured who died there, but multiple murders took place in and around the hospital as well. 
The Berlin Workers' Health Insurance Corporation designed this 60-building hospital complex. In 1898, it opened as a sanatorium to treat patients specifically suffering from lung diseases. The sanatorium was first built as a response to the rapid increase in tuberculosis patients at the time, as it was the number one cause of death in Germany for people between 15 to 40. One of the treatments for this was fresh air, so the sanatorium was built in a remote pine forest. The hospital and its complex of around 60 buildings in the end almost served as a small town of itself, with its own bakery, shop, apartments, post office, stables, butcher shop, and laundry houses. At the time, it was the largest treatment center in the world for lung diseases, with at its peak beds for over 1,200 patients. During World War I, from 1914 to 1918, the hospital played a significant role when it was repurposed as a field hospital. The hospital was transformed to meet the urgent medical needs arising from the war, especially the high number of wounded soldiers. The decision to use Bilitz-Heilstatten as a field hospital was influenced by its spacious layout, well-designed facilities, and the surrounding serene environment. The hospital complex featured separate pavilions, which proved beneficial in segregating patients based on their medical conditions. The abundance of natural light and fresh air, characteristic of the sanatorium's design, was considered advantageous for the recovery of patients. The hospital became a crucial medical facility for the Imperial German Army. The wounded soldiers were brought to the hospital for treatment, and the medical staff at Belitz worked tirelessly to provide care, perform surgeries, and aid in the rehabilitation of the injured. One of the most notable patients treated at the hospital during this time was Adolf Hitler. In 1916, Hitler, a soldier in the German army, was admitted to the hospital after sustaining a leg injury at the Battle of Somme. His stay there marked a brief but pivotal chapter in the hospital's wartime history. The hospital's role as a field hospital was challenging, with medical personnel facing the grim realities of war. The sheer volume and severity of injuries tested the limits of the hospital's capacity, and the medical staff worked diligently to provide care under demanding circumstances. The repurposing of the hospital during World War I reflects the adaptability and resilience of medical facilities during times of conflict. After the war, the hospital continued its medical mission, evolving to address changing healthcare needs and remaining an integral part of the region's medical history. The hospital played a crucial role during the Second World War. Unlike its earlier role in World War I as a military hospital, during World War II, the hospital was requisitioned by the Nazi regime to serve a different purpose. The hospital complex, known for its architectural elegance and spacious layout, became part of the war effort under the Nazi government. It was utilized for a variety of functions, including the treatment and care of wounded soldiers. But its most notorious association during this time was its use as a military hospital for the Waffen-SS. The Waffen-SS, the armed wing of the Nazi SS organization, established a military hospital there to tend to the injuries sustained by their personnel during the war. The hospital facilities were repurposed to accommodate the medical needs of the Waffen-SS soldiers, and the medical staff at Belitz worked in service of the Nazi war machine. During this period, 
the hospital witnessed the harsh realities of war, with medical professionals grappling with the influx of wounded soldiers. The hospital's role in treating members of the Waffen-SS underscores its connection to the broader military infrastructure, supporting Nazi Germany during the conflict. As the war progressed, the hospital, like many other institutions in Germany, became entwined with the darker aspects of the Nazi regime. The hospital complex was situated in a strategic location near Berlin, and its facilities were utilized for military purposes. The exact details of the hospital's activities during World War II, including specific medical treatments and procedures, are not as extensively documented as its role in World War I. However, the hospital's association with the Waffen-SS and its utilization for military purposes during the Second World War are acknowledged aspects of its historical narrative. As the Allies, including Soviet forces, advanced into Germany toward the end of World War II, the hospital fell under Soviet control in 1945. The Soviet occupation continued for nearly five decades, during which time the complex remained under the control of the Soviet military administration. During the Cold War era, Belitz Heilstatten remained within the East German territory, which was influenced and controlled by the Soviet Union. The facility continued to serve as a hospital with some parts open to the public while others remained restricted. After the end of the Cold War and the reunification of Germany in 1990, the Soviet forces withdrew from Belitz Heilstatten in 1994, marking the end of their occupation. The sanatorium, now in the unified Germany, faced challenges of maintenance and restoration. Since the withdrawal of Soviet forces, Efforts have been made to repurpose and renovate parts of the hospital complex. Some sections have been converted into a neurological rehabilitation center, while others remain abandoned and in a state of decay. Today, visitors can explore the hospital's grounds and gain insights into its wartime contributions, acknowledging the vital role it played in providing medical care to those affected by the tumultuous events of the early 20th century. After the Soviet left, the hospital became a popular place for acclaimed satanic church and occult members to gather and throw parties, which consisted of lots of drinking and holding seances. Lack of maintenance has paved the way for vines and climbers, giving it a look of a ghost town. It has also been used as a set for Roman Polanski's The Pianist. The hospital is now turning into a tourist attraction. Even though, Multiple murders have taken place in and around this remote location as well. In March of 1991, a young mother and her newborn child of three months were brutally murdered just outside of the old sanatorium. A notorious serial killer known as the Beast of Belitz was responsible for the murders. Wolfgang Schmidt, serial killer and necrophiliac, who murdered a total of five women, as well as the three-month-old baby, was eventually caught and prosecuted for the crime. Schmidt's story and reign of terror. The Beast of Belitz wasn't the only murderer to use the abandoned sanatorium for his crimes. A photographer and sadist named only as Michael K. brought a 20-year-old model named Anja P. to the hospital for pictures. And as he explained it, an erotic photo session that ended with her 
accidental death. During the photo session, he ended up killing her. But the police found clear evidence that this was not an accident, but a premeditated murder. He beat her with a frying pan and did horrible things to her corpse after she died. Even though I found this story repeated in several other blogs and articles, I never could find any new reports of the incident. In 2015, the abandoned sanatorium got a new lease on life. The space was once again made into a green space devoted to fresh air and wellness. With forest walks and barefoot trails at ground level and a treetop walkway that allows visitors a unique view of the old buildings. There has also been a 131-foot viewing tower with a lift to carry you to the top if you feel inclined to avoid the steps. On a clear day, you can see the iconic TV tower in Berlin. Better yet, the forest floor isn't confined to ground level. The building known as the Alpine House is now home to a rooftop woodland of its own. Trees began to take root and grow there after World War II, and they have been left to grow. Belitz's history, nature, and architecture on the outskirts of Berlin is now called Baumzeit, meaning tree time in English. On their website, the famous Belitzer Hausstatten is described as a unique treetop and time travel path that winds above the World War II ruins of the Alpine House. Either on your own or as part of a guided tour, you can stroll through a world in which normally only birds spread their wings. Here you will get some exciting and unique insights into the history, stories, and nature related to this place rescued from destruction and get a glimpse into its eerie past. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mateo's chair scraping against the concrete produced a jarring metallic noise, initiating an unexpected shock that inundated his mind with memories. It served as a reminder of the purpose that had brought him here with her in the first place. Like a powerful tidal wave, it resurrected the memory and the reason he was here, prompting him to take a deep breath before being engulfed by the memory. It had all started with a simple afternoon of photography. He had walked through the streets of Berlin, taking pictures of historical sites, people, and nature. He had no appointments for the day, so he decided to explore some places he had never been. Belitz Hallstatten had been on his to-do list for a while, with its rich history and haunting aura, but he had never found the time to go there. It was a nice drive from Berlin to the old sanatorium in the historic town of Belitz, and it was a gorgeous day. He arrived just before noon and explored the area for quite a while before stumbling upon a hidden door. It was almost as if it had wanted him to find it. 
He was sure that was the case now. He had entered the building and was almost immediately filled with a deep sense of dread. It was so overwhelming that he turned to leave. But the door was jammed. He looked for another way out, but there was none. At least none that he could find. He began to panic and tried to yank the door from its hinges, picking up any object he could find and smashing it into the old doorknob and the wood surrounding it. He began to cry for help, hoping that someone may hear him. But his cries were suddenly muffled when he felt cold hands wrap around his neck. He kicked and tried to scream as the grip tightened and yanked him backwards, pulling him deep into the building, until he finally lost consciousness. He eventually woke and found himself sitting in an old wooden chair in front of an unusually creepy old mirror. He jerked, trying to look around the room. It was full of cells with bars and strange contraptions built into chairs with helmets and wires. It looked very much like a scene from a horror movie, where the antagonist was a mad scientist. It made him think of Frankenstein. Not the movie, but the book. He had read so many times when he was much younger. His gaze fell upon the mirror, only to find himself staring into the glowing eyes of an entity that could only be described as pure, unending evil. He tried to run, but he couldn't even move. It was as if a massive weight held him down, pinning him to the chair. He couldn't scream either, because when he tried, the cold pressure around his throat would begin again and tighten until he couldn't breathe. A sinister, icy voice commanded him to compose himself and pay close attention. It began to outline the tasks he must undertake and forewarned of the dire consequences should he fail to comply. The voice conveyed an urgent need for liberation, explaining that it sought retribution for the murder of its child. However, it emphasized its inability to accomplish this without a physical vessel. A woman's body, matching the entity's age at the time of its murder, when he tried to struggle once more, the entity changed its voice to the soft, pleading voice. Please help me. I'm not the only one here. There are others here, and they want to hurt me. They want me to hurt you, too. But you can save us both. Reluctantly, Mateo agreed. He saw no other way to break free. The entity slowly faded into the mirror, and the pressure that had been holding him down released. Without a second thought, he jumped and ran as fast as he could. Being that he had been unconscious when he had been drugged in there, it took him longer than he would have liked to admit to find his way back out again. He thought he was free once he left the building, but once he was home, he saw shadows everywhere, in the corners of his room following him on the streets, and at night they filled his nightmares with glowing red eyes and cold hands that tried to choke the life out of him. He didn't think he had any other choice but to do as the entity ordered him to do. Mateo had no idea how to even make this happen, but he knew he had to figure out something. 
So he began looking on dating sites. He wanted someone far away in hopes it would be more difficult to make a connection to him. His logic was sound, but his state of mind wasn't at this point. After a week of searching online, Mateo was about ready to give up. The not-so-sound part of the plan was coming into focus. Dating was awful when it was for real, but trying to fake date in order to lure someone to their death was really hard and not working. Then he met Crystal. She was 30, American, and had a passport. She was easy to talk to, even though she seemed reluctant at first. He actually liked her, which made what he had to do even harder. Mateo, Crystal said with a concerned voice, waving her hands in front of his face. Are you okay? His eyes fluttered, snapping him back to reality. Oh, I'm sorry, Mateo sighed with a half-winded chuckle. Forgive me, please. I got caught up in my thoughts. I've been so nervous to meet you and show you everything I've planned. I just got caught in my head for a moment. That's all. He couldn't allow himself to think about it. He had put too much time into planning and getting her here. He couldn't afford to allow himself to feel any empathy for her. Otherwise, he would forsake his own safety and future. All the while, he had to play the part of a smitten suitor. Crystal turned to meet Mateo's eyes. That was twice now that he'd gone off in a daze. She noticed the dark rings beneath his eyes. Had those been there before? He looked tired, and she quickly noticed that he seemed uneasy, even though he seemed to take a deep breath and straighten his shoulders. Mateo mustered a confident grin. Crystal, I've planned something special for us today. A trip to a unique historical site. One that captures Berlin's hidden past. She decided to take in a deep breath and let the unease settle and allowed herself to be intrigued instead. Crystal leaned in, her eyes reflecting curiosity. Sounds interesting. What is it? Mateo hesitated, a subtle unease in his gaze. It's an abandoned sanatorium called Belitz Haustatten. It has a haunting history, and I thought it would add a bit of mystery to our day. Crystal's expression shifted, a mix of excitement and uncertainty. Abandoned sanatorium? Are you sure it's safe? Mateo reassured her with a smile. Absolutely. It's a fascinating place. People visit it all the time. Trust me, you'll love the adventure. Leaving the quaint eatery, the sun warmed the cobblestone streets. Mateo, struggling with the weight of his secret, maintained a facade of normalcy. Crystal, still unaware of the impending horror, chatted animatedly about their plans for the day. Trying to hide the apprehension growing inside him, Mateo did his best to seem relaxed as they strolled through the streets arm in arm. Eventually arriving at Belitz Haustatten, Mateo hid his uneasiness behind a smile. Welcome to a darker piece of Berlin's history, he said, his voice belying the ominous reality that lurked within the abandoned walls. Unbeknownst to Crystal, 
she stepped into the tangled web of Mateo's entrapment, her trust unwittingly playing into Mateo's plan. He led her through the maze of buildings and trailed until he reached the hidden doorway. Where are we going? This looks a little creepy. Are you sure we're supposed to be here? Crystal asked as he pulled back the vines that hid the door. Don't fret. I've been here many times. As the hidden door creaked open, a cool breeze followed them through, wrapping Crystal's hair around her face. A cold chill spread across her skin and ran down her back, but it wasn't from the cold. She suddenly had a sinking feeling that she couldn't quite describe. She had that same feeling earlier for a fleeting moment, when Mateo spaced out twice at breakfast, but this time the feeling refused to subside. Mateo, I have a bad feeling about this place. I don't think we should be here. Crystal couldn't explain how or why, but she felt like something bad was about to happen. She had to fight the urge to turn and flee the decrepit building. Mateo, maintaining his composed demeanor, tried to ease her concerns. Crystal, trust me. This place has a mysterious charm. It's like stepping into the past. Don't worry. I've been here countless times without any issues. Reluctantly, Crystal followed him into the dimly lit interior. The air inside felt heavy, and the echoes of their footsteps reverberated through the abandoned halls as they ventured deeper. The hidden agenda gnawed at him, but he pressed forward, his true intentions concealed behind a carefully crafted facade. Crystal still gripped by a sense of foreboding, began to regret her decision to explore this eerie location. As they moved through the corridors, the atmosphere became increasingly oppressive. Mateo, glancing around nervously, fought to maintain a semblance of normalcy, yet the weight of the impending task weighed heavily on him. Crystal, sensing the tension, finally voiced her concerns. Mateo, I can't shake the feeling that something is off. Are you sure we're alone here? Attempting to alleviate her unease, Mateo replied, It's just the ambience of the place. I promise there's nothing to worry about. Let me show you something truly fascinating. They reached an especially desolate part of the building, where the crumbling walls seemed to whisper. Mateo, feigning enthusiasm, motioned toward a darkened room. Here, Crystal, this is where the past comes alive. It's said that the echoes of the past linger in these halls, waiting to be discovered. As they stepped into the dimly lit room, Crystal felt a chill crawl up her spine. The air grew thicker, and an inexplicable heaviness enveloped her. Mateo, guided by an unseen force, led her toward an old mirror in the corner. Look closely, Crystal, he urged, his voice tinged with an unsettling eagerness. This mirror holds the secrets of this place. It's a window to the past. Crystal hesitated, a sense of trepidation washing over her. The mirror reflected their figures. In that moment, a subtle shift occurred. The air seemed charged with an otherworldly energy, 
and Mateo's demeanor morphed into something darker. Suddenly, the room felt suffocating, and Crystal, locked in the gaze of the mirror, sensed a disturbing presence. Mateo, succumbing to the entity's influence, hesitated for a moment before his eyes glowed with an unnatural malevolence. In a cold, detached voice, not his own, he spoke. Crystal, don't don't be be afraid. afraid. Mateo has brought you to me. You are very special and will help me with a very important task. Fear gripped Crystal as the reality of the situation dawned on her. The mirror, once a mere reflection, seemed to ripple with a strange force. It was then that she realized the true nature of Mateo's carefully orchestrated plan. Crystal began fighting against an unseen force, struggling to break free from the entity's grasp. Mateo was a puppet of the malevolent presence, and he advanced on her with an unholy determination. In a desperate surge of strength, Crystal managed to tear her gaze away from the mirror. With every ounce of willpower, she resisted the supernatural pull that sought to claim her essence, momentarily freeing Mateo from the entity's control. He suddenly faltered, a flicker of his true self surfacing. Pain and regret filled his eyes. Crystal, run! He pleaded, a genuine urgency in his eyes. I never wanted this. It's not too late. But the entity, unwilling to release its grip, seized control once more. Mateo's body convulsed as he succumbed to the malevolent force. His pleas drowned in the ominous whispers that echoed through the room. Terrified but determined, Crystal fled the room, her footsteps echoing through the haunted corridors. The entity denied its intended vessel, howled in frustration. Crystal ran faster than she had ever ran in her life. When she busted through the door and the vines covering the entrance, the sun found her face. She looked back, but only for a second. Her heart was hammering, and her lungs had been leached of air. She wanted to keep running, but her body gave out and she fell on the ground. Crystal was beside herself. How had she let this happen? Her I'm-not-a-quitter attitude had almost gotten her killed, or maybe her lack of self-preservation. She finally managed to catch her breath and get to her feet, but when she spun to look at the vine-covered door one last time, someone was looking back at her with glowing red eyes. Thank you for joining us to explore the abandoned sanatorium, Belitz Halstatten. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions and stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at carmencarrion. Go to eeriecast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Freaky Folklore, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. Until next time, stay safe out there, until I see you at our next destination.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.